listeners may have heard of the concerns about the platypus and it being uh, placed on lists of endangered species, which I guess for many of us would be um, a, a bit of a wake-up call when one of our iconic species, you'd have to say, um, is uh, uh, considered threatened. But there's been a little bit of good news. One of the problems with uh, the platypus, of course, is that it's what the scientists call cryptic. That is, it's damn hard to find. Um, and a recent study uh, by the, uh, catchment the West Gippsland Catchment Management Authority has uh, given us some hints of uh, where uh, the platypus is in West Gippsland. And I'm joined by Adrian Clements, who is the Environment Water Officer for the West Gippsland Catchment Management Authority. That's a, a pretty good title, which we might come back to uh, later, Adrian. But thanks very much for your time. Thanks for that. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's a bit of a mouthful, that title, but um, yeah, lots of, lots of fun and interesting facts. Uh, indeed. Um, so, this, the platypus study that's recently been conducted, perhaps uh, give us the background to that. Yeah, so it's a, this is um, a statewide program um, off the back of some um, some news or, or findings that um, platypus numbers um, are declining and, and looking at uh, what the the status of the of the animal is across the state. So the government um, set up a program to quickly assess a bit of a census of platypus across the state. Um, so we uh, participated in that. We had a, a couple hundred sites sampled. Um, out of the, I think there was 2,000 sites across the state. Um, and it's really a, a method um, called environmental DNA that um, allows you quickly assess whether an animal is or isn't present in a river. So that's interesting. As I said, uh, the platypus, one of its uh, characteristics is it's how damn hard it is to spot. Um, so how does this environmental DNA work? Yeah, it's, um, environmental DNA is, a, a, I guess, a tool in um, you know, the research scientist kit um, where you take a, a sample of water, uh, run it through a filter, and you can uh, it'll pick up any DNA that is present in, in that water, and you can run that through a, through a process and you can pick out... Um, what animals um, have been in that water in, in recent times. So it works better if you've got a, a species where you know the DNA. So the platypus is a, is a really good um, uh, test for this. So, um, yeah, we were able to um, send the samples off and, um, yeah, they could identify whether the platypus DNA was present in that sample or not. So, um, it's just a, a completely passive method so the the animals aren't hurt in the process. Um, yeah, the, the rivers are, are full of all sorts of DNA, uh, whether you want to think about it or not. But um, yeah, animals shed things like, like people shed hair and, and skin and particles also do the same. So those um, little particles are floating around in the water and we can, can pick them up in the, in the water sample. And I guess uh, it, it gives you the presence, but it, it couldn't give you a sort of an accurate count in any way, could it? No, so you like like all good um, research, um, you get more questions than answers out of the process. So we, um, um, yeah, you get a, an idea that platypus are or were there at the time of sampling, but you don't know how many. You don't know male or female, so you need to use that information to to focus your uh, more traditional sampling methods of of netting and, and observation. So it, it helps to to hone your your effort in. Um, and it also identifies um, you know, it identifies where platypus are, but more importantly where they aren't, where you might expect them, so you can um, really assess uh, what's going on in, in that stretch of river or, or wetland or whatever and um, can um, work towards um, understanding why they, they, they're not there. 
And because of the difficulty of finding uh, platypus, I, I guess there are a few rivers around West Gippsland that uh, we haven't been certain about uh, wh- whether platypus were present or not. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so this um, this census was really good. It, it identified um, platypus occurred in about 11, um, 11 rivers across the West Gippsland region. Um, that's a, uh, the sampling of the day. Um, so you could expect there might be more. Um, but yeah, we had it turning up in Mall River, Agnes River, uh, Maritain Creek, um, Thompson River, McAllister River. So it's a good spread across the across the area. And I think the closest to, to our area of broadcast is probably the the Tarwin. And surprisingly, there, there'd been very few spottings of uh, platypus in the Tarwin. Though uh, I know from people I've talked to because of its the way uh, Tarwin is, that it would kind of be expected that they'd be there, and it turns mm. out they are. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's the that's the good thing about this method. It can um, it detect species, if you, even if you can't see them. Um, so it's a, a good method for picking up those They're more cryptic platypus. So th- this is generally good news, of course. Um, so ha- has it identified areas that uh, you didn't expect or, or hadn't previously uh, identified uh, where platypus w- were? One of the funny ones for me was it had turned up right in the middle of Maui, Narakan Creek. We've got two positive samples right in the middle of town. So that was um, a bit of a funny one. Um, but um, yeah, generally they're, they're turning up in um, what you'd expect to be nice. Uh, nice-looking creeks and, and rivers, um, but yeah, obviously the, the the male platypus tend to wander around a bit, and they can turn up in all sorts of places. So um, that's something we would want to investigate further. What's you know those platypus that were detected right in the middle of town? Are they are they healthy? Are they are they happy? Um, what are they doing there? Um, and if it is happy and healthy, what what can we do to replicate those those environments elsewhere? Hmm. Um, and which probably gives us a hint that maybe the platypus move around a bit more than we would anticipate. I guess we imagine that they just stick to the water, but they they uh, maybe move around a bit more than we thought. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they wander around quite a bit. They can they can get out of the out of the rivers and, and climb over banks and all sorts of things. Um, so find a, a good patch of patch of river. The um the female platypus they need to eat um, about thirty percent of their body weight. Um, when they've got a puggle um, in a day, um, so they really they need a really healthy river um, full of full of bugs and, and food. Um, so they they're quite picky. They need to find a really good spot where they can sustain themselves and and their puggles. One of the small benefits of all this wet weather uh, might be that uh, the platypus have a bit more environment to move around in. I, I happen to live up near the headwaters of the Tarwin River, um, which doesn't often have, uh, or the, the creeks I'm talking about don't often have really big flows, but of course in the last couple of years they have, and for the first time ever I happen to be in the um, Mount Worth State Park and looking, standing on a bridge, looking into the water, and popped up a, just a, a young platypus, obviously uh, sort of exploring where it might uh, take up residence. It uh, gave me one look and took off, of course, but um, is that uh, sort of broader sped, spread starting to happen because of all this wet weather? Oh, well, we don't really know. So we'd have to do another another lot of sampling to, to check. To check, but um, yeah, definitely with all this wet weather, um, the rivers are a lot healthier. So they're getting a good flush of, of sediment and, and nutrients through the system, which um, which helps those primary juices, um, the bugs and things um, kick off, um, and that's what the platypus rely on. So 
uh, yeah, the wet weather, although sometimes it seems like it's a bit too much, um, is really helping the environment. That's kind of the way the, the Australian flora and fauna has adapted over the years to these droughts and flooding rains. So yeah, when the floods come, um, the environment really, really, really flourishes. Um, and one of the other interesting things of this study was that uh, it did use volunteer water samplers. Uh, can you briefly tell us how that worked? Yes, it was a really good um, citizen science process. So um, uh, of the 2,000 samples across the state, um, volunteers, and um, uh, we had uh, help from the, the local Gunnar Kurnai people as well, um, all went out and, and took the samples. So it was a really simple simple method. Um, so you just um, stuck up a sample of water with a syringe and pass it through a filter. Um, those samples were, were labelled and, and shipped off to Melbourne where they did the analysis. So it was a... It was a good um, yeah, get your hands dirty for the, the general folk um, of the community to um, yeah, get their hands dirty and, and participate. So we'll just turn to the, that uh, title, Environment Water Officer. I gather that uh, means that you're the person or a person in charge of, of uh, ensuring that water is held uh, to be put aside for environmental pur- purposes. I-, I guess that's fairly important for maintaining river levels for things like platypus. Yeah, it is. So the um, uh, the environmental water is uh, it's a it's uh, held by the Victorian environmental water holder. So it's a it's a in all the storages across the state, there's a a portion of, of water put aside uh, for environmental purposes. So it's not not used in, in times like this. This is Wet, wet time, so we don't have to do too much. But come average to, to dry and drought conditions, it becomes really important. So we can um, call on the, the storage operators to send water down the river when it's when it's dry. Um, in times when the river would expect something, um, you know, a short, sharp increase in river height or or for like, or just to maintain a, a base flow down the river. Um, so our job is to, to make sure in the in between these floods. We can provide some of those cues through the through the water column, uh, through sending water down the river to um, to cue breeding in fish, or, or provide habitat for platypus, or or the like, or you know wet some of the vegetation in the bank. Uh, but the other thing with with platypus, it's um, you know it's almost as important not when not to water. Um, so we don't want to be sending water down the down the river when they've got puddles in their burrows because their their burrows in the side of the bank. Um, so we don't want to be sending water down there and filling up those those burrows. So um, for platypus, it's important, just as important when not to water. Um, obviously, in a in a natural event, they can sense those things coming and, and move accordingly, shift their burrows or whatever. But when it's a in brackets unnatural event, so a, 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 send, a water sent out of the out of the storage, um, they they kind of don't get those cues. So we try to avoid. Um, times of year when they might have puzzles in their burrows. Fantastic. Uh, a, a, an angle I had completely not been aware of. I guess uh, most of us wouldn't be aware of, but uh, it's a kind of fairly subtle job, really, uh, of both measurement and in uh, envisaging what the the normal process would be. Yeah, so we, we do a lot, of, um, a lot of work. We work with a bunch of experts and, and traditional owners to, to try to Get an understanding of what the um, what the river would expect and what it needs to meet certain environmental objectives um, to improve the environment and the um, resilience of the environment. Um, so we, yeah, there's a mountain of work behind it. Um, we look for the year ahead, um, try to plan for 
drought to wet conditions, what will we do if it's, if it's wet? What will we do if it's dry? Um, and we plan the use of that water um, accordingly. Um, if you do want more information, we do have a bit of information on our website and we, we send out um, notifications to people who want to sign up. Um, so every time we do a uh, planning a release, we send an email to this, uh, this list saying what we're intending to do. Um, so you can find that on our, on our website if you're interested. Okay, and we'll give that address uh, a little later. Um, but it's sort of a, an interesting illustration of the uh, probably fact that uh, once we start getting out there and modifying the environment, which humans have been doing for thousands and thousands of years, I guess, um, it then becomes our responsibility to actually actively manage what we're doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, the storages are put there because uh, people need water and, and you need to grow crops and we need water as well. Um, but there's a, there's a cost to that. So in the recent um, decade or so, we've come to realise that uh, we need to look after the, the river environment with, with specific flows. Um, and, yeah, we can build on that knowledge as we go. And we're getting some really good results. So it's, a, it's by no means perfect, but um, we're not in a perfect world. So we, we do our best. We've been speaking with Adrian Clements, Environment Water Officer for the West Gippsland Catchment Management Authority. Absolutely. Thank you.